0: Hello, everyone. So uh, it is as Pastor Aaron said. uh, I am so happy to be back in B one o one. Some of you saw me last week. Uh, I was sitting in the back, and then during one of the the ten altar calls that y'all had last week, like Tina was like, Matt Walker, get up here. And so then I prayed for some of you, and all of you were like, probably like, who is that dude coming up praying? Um, and so, as Pastor Aaron said, I graduated from the University of Illinois uh, as my undergraduate. I came to Yonsei uh, in 2006 and 2007 as an exchange student, like many of you. And uh, it's during that time that I met Pastor Marcus. Um, and then Pastor Marcus and I also met Pastor Aaron. Um, but back then, Emmaus, the, what you see here, we filled the front row. There were five of us. And <laughs> so there, were, there was like more staff back then than there were actual students. Um, and then after I graduated from the University of Illinois, I did come back to Korea. I got my master's in Korean studies, Korean cultural studies. Um, Now, I am working, uh, ever since my graduation, I've been working in international schools. Uh, My first international school, I was the director of admissions, and now I am the middle school, high school English language arts teacher and associate director of academic affairs. So when Pastor Aaron said that I was a bit of an overachiever, she was right. So, uh, when I came back to Korea in 2008, I did come on staff with YCF or Emmaus back then. And um, it is a blessing to be here because, you know, I was here in this room for three and a half years, uh, sewing in prayers to see all of you. Because back then, we, we we had such big dreams to see SNU, to see... Uh, Korea University to see Hongdae to see all these campuses alive with the fire of God and uh, back then you know Tina was a student leader she was in my small group and so to see her preach last week was such a huge blessing for me. Uh, Currently uh, for my leadership responsibilities uh, for those of you that go to New Philly, you might see me sitting in the front flashing Pastor Christian the signs. You have 10 minutes left with the angry look on my face. Uh, <laughs> and then I also lead uh, the New Philly uh, Hillside Youth Male Small Group. And uh, I also do discipleship ministry at my school, and my young men are here tonight. Uh <laughs> And so, uh, it was back in February that Pastor Aaron asked me to come preach, and I, I was so excited. I was so excited because I've been itching to come back to Emmaus. I've been wanting to come back. And it's been two years since I've been here with all of you. Well, some of you who are new, you're like, I was not here two years ago, but you know, back in this room with Emmaus. And I was kind of thinking, like, oh, what do I preach? What do I preach? Because over the past two years, I've been building up my sermon topics of what I would love to preach. And I, I did not choose from that list. <laughs> in fact, it was while I was in a discipleship meeting with one of my young men that the Lord t- spoke the message to me. And That is the message I am going to bring for you tonight. So uh, without further ado, let's just say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for this homecoming event uh, that, Lord, you were able to bring me here to share the word. I pray that your anointing would be in my mouth and that our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right if everyone would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3 I will be reading from the English standard version Isaiah 60 chapter or verses 1 through 3 and it goes like this Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Last week, as I was sitting back in the back I, and listening to Tina, I was almost a little afraid that Tina was going to preach my entire sermon last week and that I was going to have only one week to prepare this one because I'm a prepare person, so having one week is like last-minute notice to me. But thankfully, <laughs> Tina did not preach my sermon But she gave a really good lead in for me to really preach today. And if you were here last week and you remember what she preached about, she talked about Joshua. And she talked about Joshua taking leadership from Moses and how God had commanded him to be strong and courageous. Because Joshua was moving the people of God into the promised land. And it was here that there was room for fear. And Tina, last week, she specifically taught on the fear of man. Now, when God commanded Joshua to take his place and to arise, God said specifically, now my servant Moses is dead. Arise and go over the Jordan and take the promised land arise, to come up, to take your place. See, Joshua wasn't being a leader because he was so ambitious that he wanted to be a leader. He was a leader because God told him to take his place and to be the leader that he needed to be. See, Joshua did what he had to do because others were waiting for him. So, Tonight, I'm going to be talking to you about taking your place. So, turn to your neighbor and say, Take your place. place. (laughs) Now, take your place. Arise and shine. What What does this mean? Does it mean that I'm telling you to take some position? Like, come, take your place at the table. What I'm talking about is that You disregard all blocks, all hindrances, and you take your rightful place of authority. So, for all of us, you know, you're probably thinking, what place might I have? I'm a student, or I'm a student leader, I'm an Emmaus staff. But all of those are places that God has put you, and all of them, you have a place of authority. You don't have to wait to graduate in order to have this mythical place of destiny that you arrive at. Today is the day of your destiny. So, you know, are you waiting to just show up in your classes? Show up, take some notes, do some G-chat, do some cacao, bounce, and go get lunch with your Emmaus peeps, your church peeps? Is, do, do people not say peeps anymore <laughs> no that that's that's too old oh gosh oh gosh oh, oh man <laughs> thank you thank you, big mama all right so. <laughs> Or if you're thinking about your job place, are you thinking about you're going to just go to work, you're going to punch the clock, do your work, punch the clock and head out, go to prayer meeting at night, and then shanana sanahana it up? (laughs) Is that what it's going to be? Is that what it means to be taking your place? That means that you have no influence where you are. You have no impact. You're not changing the people around you. You have not taken your place. You've done the complete opposite. You've given your place away. Because if you notice, taking your place of authority wherever God has put you, it's not about you. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, it ain't about you. Now, if you look at Isaiah 60, this holds true. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. But what's the first step? The, the kings cannot come to some light if there is no light to come to. People cannot have salvation until you step out in faith and say, do you know Jesus? See, it's not about you. It's about everyone around you who is waiting for you to arise and to take your proper place. There are people around you who are craving for salvation. There are people around you who are craving for their bondages to be broken off. There are people who around you who are craving for restoration in their lives. And by you being timid, are you holding them back? So, if you look later in Isaiah 61, it talks about those things. For the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives to give to those who mourn in Zion a garment of praise for though or garment of praise goes to the faint spirit i'm misquoting the verse right now <laughs> sorry yes i'm sorry i need to go back and memorize our Theme verse for the church. Uh, PC, I hope you're not going to listen to this. (laughs) Um, How much about that is about me? Most of it is about other people, and it's about really taking your place in order to release them. For Joshua, it took him an immense amount of courage because he was taking his place after a great leader. Moses had died, and now it was Joshua's job to lead them in. But Joshua, when he took his place, it didn't only end once the Israelites got in to Israel. Because Israel didn't stay so hot with, with trusting the Lord. The elders had turned away, and then in Joshua 24, he said, As for me and my house. We will trust the Lord. Joshua caused the other elders to take their place of repentance and to go back to God. If Joshua would have been timid at that moment, would people have come to repentance? Would they have come back to the place of trusting the Lord? but it wasn't possible for Joshua because the Lord had commanded him to be strong and courageous. Now, for me, I had I knew what I was going to preach almost 2 months ago, but it was about 2 weeks ago that the Lord hit me with it. He hit me with it. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. So, over our my school spring break, I went to and from America because I had a wedding to go to. Now, when I got back, I had such bad jet lag. When I was there, I got maybe about three, four hours of sleep a night. When I got back, I got like two to three hours of sleep a night. I was like halfway between nowhere. <laughs> and it was, I was just like, I wish... I was somewhere where I could sleep. <laughs> it just hurt so bad. So, but I had to go to work. I had to go and teach kids. But, you know, that, that's not really what the emphasis of what the problem was that week. You see, that week, my vice principal, he had given me an assignment to do. A huge project that he wanted me to do. And all was fine and dandy until I had another coworker come up and get involved. See, now this coworker, he wanted to throw a temper tantrum. Like, I mean, seriously, slamming fists on desks, pointing fingers, yelling. I was like, okay, you do that. Now, for me, I, at first, I was just like, whatever, I really don't care. But as the situation kind of progressed and ex- exploded i thought i can't handle this anymore you know this guy he's out of control and they need to realize it someone needs to put a leash on this guy so i had resolved one day after a meeting with him that i was going to step down from my administrative position at the school I was going to be, you know, I'm just going to go into my classroom. I'm going to teach every day, and that's going to be that. You know, the, I'm I'm a teacher. That's what I do. I teach. I don't need all of this extra job to give me more stress. And then I was at a prayer meeting, uh, and the Lord said to me, He said, "Take your place." I was like, "Oh yes, job." You know, I, I, after finals, I will write my sermon gun. I will write it. Don't worry. He's like. You don't get it. I was like, what do you mean? I'm talking to you. Oh. And you know, it's, it was one of those O's where it wasn't just like, oh. It was, oh. You, you sunk into yourself like you were melting. Because I had lost sight of what God had t- really been teaching me. I had lost sight that there were students and teachers depending on me to be in my place to really stand up for different things, to really advance different areas, but if I was gonna let that other guy, that other coworker push me around, then I was letting him take my place instead of taking my own. Now, if we can really realize that our place of authority is not for us and it's for other people, then What examples do we have of people who didn't take their place? We have several examples from the Bible. Because what is going to happen if we don't take our place? Is it going to be like God warming up the car for us in the wintertime? You know, just the car sitting out there ready for us to get in so that we can have a nice warm drive to wherever we're going? Is God really warming up the car for you? Will God wait for you forever? Or will he find someone else? In the story of Jonah, God was not willing to find someone else. You see, Jonah was a man of God, and one day the Lord called him. He said, arise. Are you you getting the hint? Arise. (laughs) Go to Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has become come up to me. But according to the book of Jonah, what did he do? He ran. Now Jonah didn't just run. He went to Joppa, which is a port city to get a boat to go across the entire Mediterranean sea to what would be almost near Portugal, the, the, what the Bible calls the city of Tarshish. Tarshish. <laughs> now, Nineveh is just below modern-day Turkey. So you would have to cross land and then sea to go to Nineveh. Jonah wasn't just running. He was running away like mad, like, you know, and I can feel him. When I came as an exchange student, I was running away from things in America. Only did I think that I was running away from problems and people and even God, only to run straight into God here. 7,000 miles and God did not say, that's it. (laughs) Uh, The Lord had a different plan and the destiny of Nineveh depended upon Jonah. So the Lord pulled out all the roadblocks. And first, as Jonah paid for his fare and went on the boat, there was a great storm. Now, the storm didn't subside and they ended up throwing Jonah overboard and Jonah came into the belly of a great fish. Now it was in that great fish that Jonah started to realize that there's no getting away from God. There's no getting away from the call. There's no getting away from what I need to do. And then it says in Jonah 2 that, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah then went to Nineveh. It said it took him three days' journey. Now, I looked it up, and from wherever he was, it probably would have been almost a 3 Hundred mile journey. Can you imagine going a hundred miles a day? Like on barefoot or by carriage? It was probably a rough journey, but he made it. He went. He took what God had planned for him and the destiny of Nineveh changed. Because it changed because it went from proclaim the judgment to repentance. Because when the judgment was proclaimed to Nineveh, the Ninevites, what they did is they responded through repentance and fasting. And the destiny of Nineveh changed because of one man. It didn't matter what Jonah himself cared about. It wasn't about Jonah. It was never about Jonah. It was always about Nineveh. God was simply asking Jonah to partner with him for his plans and purposes for Nineveh. And see, we sometimes need to just get over ourselves. But at the same time, when God keeps rebuking us, take your place, take your place. There's sometimes when he won't wait and he'll just throw you right into it. Now, for those of you who are in Familias, how many of you know the story of Deborah and Barak? Okay. All right. (laughs) So some of you, like in your Bible study material, you covered, oh, you're a couple weeks behind. Okay. That's fine. I got the story written out here. (laughs) So, uh, so the story of Deborah and Barak comes from Judges 4 when israel it was after the time of joshua before the time of the kings when the judges reigned over israel and for this particular time it was a prophetess named deborah and at that time israel wasn't so doing so hot again with trusting the lord and The Lord made true on his promises when he said, you don't follow me and I'm going to bring oppression to you. And so he allowed the invaders to come and oppress the Israelites. And then after about 20 years, the Lord called up a man named Barak. And he called him to raise up an army to go against the enemy. Now Barak... He might be listed in Hebrews 11 as being a man of faith, a man of great faith. However, in the story of Judges, the glory of the battle didn't go to him because he did not seize his place. Instead, he allowed the glory of the battle to go to someone else, especially someone culturally inferior. For when Barak came to Deborah, he said, Deborah, I cannot go into battle unless you come with me. You help me lead the troops of Israel. I cannot do this alone. Deborah said, "Okay." She said to him, you know, thus says the Lord that you the path that you walk will not lead to your glory, but the glory of this battle, it will go to a woman. Now, women in Israel at that time, according to the NIV study Bible, this was such a disgrace. This was such a disgrace for a man to, to have the glory of a battle go to a woman. If you're not taking the place in your spiritual battles, who's taking Your glory for the Israelites in this context, it was a, it was a woman for you. Is it a middle school kid? Is it a 65 year old grandma? If you are not taking your place, who is the glory of your battle going to? Who is the glory of your campus revival going to when you will not stand up to proclaim the name of Jesus? Now, remember, I graduated from Yonsei. I know many of the problems that go on here. And I know how hard it is to stand amongst your peers and say that Jesus is Lord. As a graduate student, for my graduate program, there were... Three, over 300 people in my graduate program alone. And to be honest, there were many times I didn't take my place. And so, do I get to share in the glory of the great Yonsei Campus Revival? So, the thing is, is that we I helped to start and keep pushing a remnant among the graduate students that would keep the light of Christ shining in our graduate school. Because culturally, the Korean graduate school is not a place of great faith. It's a great a place of great idolatry to the mind. But did I speak out against it? Did I help to change the people around me? Did I take my place? I did what I could, and I helped to raise up other people who could help take their place. People who would, after I left, after I graduated, steward the seeds that were sown so that others could take their place. That one could become three. Three could be ten. 10 could be 20 until the light was shining. Now, lastly, about people who did not take their place is one of my favorite scandalous Bible stories. Yes, scandalous love. This is scandalous love all over it. King David. King David was a man after God's heart. And there are great qualities about King David. That he was a man after God's heart. He was a man of faith when he faced Goliath. He was a man of honor because he refused to even touch King Saul, even though he had been anointed king. But David did not take his place. Everyone, please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's in the beginning of your Bible, well, kind of, it, after Joshua, after Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 5, Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 to 5. In the spring of the year, the time when the kings go to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Amorites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. It happened. Boom. That's it. That's all you need to know. David remained in Jerusalem and it happened. Late one afternoon, David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about that woman. Who that? And one said, is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Mm -mm -mm. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him. And he lay with her, Uh uh-uh, scandalous love. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house and the woman conceived and she said and sent and told David, I'm preggers. (laughs) Now that's not the full part of the story. Because see, when David found out that Bathsheba was pregnant, he had Uriah brought back. And he said, oh, Uriah, you know, what? go home. Be with your wife. You know, go spend time with her. You, you need to go spend time with your wife. But Uriah wouldn't. Uriah held to the honor that he had that his, his friends, his brothers, his compatriots were out fighting on the front lines. He, how could he spend a night with his wife when all of them were fighting for Israel? So, when that didn't work, what did David do? he sent word to Joab to have Uriah put on the front lines and then have everyone else draw back so that Uriah would be killed by the enemy. And it happened. See, sometimes when we don't take our place, we rob someone else of theirs when we decide that we're not going to take the places that God has set aside for us, the jobs, the, the, the evangelism, the different things that God is telling us to do, the things that God is telling us to be strong and courageous in. We are legitimately robbing someone else of their place. <clears throat> See, it, it could be a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a leadership position. It could be a job. You find out, someone else has it. But why should that stop you? You're anointed. God's favor is on your life. Why should someone occupying the position stop you? So you just do a little bit of research. And then, if the facts just happen to come out in conversation, they come out. And before you know it, someone's out the door, but are you the person in the place? See, is it a friend? Is it a friend that you're jealous of? I've done that before. (laughs) I'll admit it. See, David would not let anything stop him. He was not where he was supposed to be. Because if you read, it said, when the kings go to battle. At this point in his life, what was David? He was a man of authority. He was the man of the utmost authority in Israel. He was the king. But he did not take his place. So those are the three examples that I have for you of what happens when we do not take our place. God, in his grace, he'll move us there anyway. Or the glory of our battles will go to someone else. Or we end up robbing someone else of theirs. Because in the place of robbing someone else, we have to make it about us. It has to be about us and what we want. And it isn't about other people. See, if King David would have realized that it wasn't about him, he would have gone to battle because it was about Israel. But he made it about him and what he wanted, and then he just saw a pretty girl, and I want that too. It wasn't about everybody else. It was about him. Now, standing here, talking to you about people that did not take their place, what places are we to take what places are we to take well we're to take the place of prayer the place where you're where god has physically put you and the place of destiny now ephesians 2 6 says and ra- and he raised him up with him and seated him in the heavenly places in christ jesus Or raised us up, sorry. Raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. You see, when you take your place in prayer, there is government going on. You are raised up with Christ Jesus and you are in the throne room of God. The God who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. You are with Him And you are talking to him. I'm gonna let that sink in for a moment. Think about that. You have the ear of the most powerful person, the most powerful person. Are you gonna tell him what you want? Are you gonna tell him about the things in this world that do not align with his heart that need to change? God, there's a campus out there in Korea. They have, they started with pure intentions. They started in the name of the Lord, but they have profaned your name. What are we going to do about it? Lord, there's people that know, that need to know you. What are we going to do about it? Or are you staying silent? Lord, I had a bad day. Lord, I would like some peace. Lord, please give me your favor so I can get a good job when I graduate. Is it about me? Is it about me when I have the ear of the most powerful being in the universe? Is it about me or is it about the others that are around me? The others that are waiting for breakthrough waiting for salvation, waiting for freedom from the bondages of sin? Or is it about me? Now, one aspect that I kind of thought of, one analogy that I really thought of as I was thinking about this point was that for one of my discipleship young men, I told him one day, who are you? Who are you? you are a, you're acting like a flower, but you are a tree. A flower is tossed to and fro when the wind blows. A tree stands firm. A tree knows its place. A tree provides shade for others. A flower is its own beauty. Why are you acting like a flower? You were meant to be more. When are you going to start acting like the tree that you are because others are depending on you to take your place? Pray for them. Pray for those younger than you. You see them act out. You see them going wild. You see the problems that they struggle with. Do you ignore it? Do you just hope that someone else will take care of it? When you know about it, see, Pastor Aaron said something that struck my core a few weeks ago. She said, you're only responsible for what God shows you, but let's flip that you're responsible for what God shows you. There is a weight. There is a responsibility that comes when God shows you things. Are we taking that to the throne room? See, if there was a man in the Bible that I would attribute to knowing about prayer, it would be Daniel. Now, Daniel not only took his place in prayer, but he took his place where God put him. Because Daniel lived during the time of the Babylonian exile. He didn't have a choice about whether or not he stayed in Israel or sorry, stayed in Judah, or if he went to the land of the Chaldeans. He didn't have a choice. But that didn't mean that he didn't, he let the opportunity pass by, and he said, oh, woe is me. I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to make the best out of this. I'm just going to have whatever the king gives me, whatever food he gives. No. 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 See, Daniel took the place of authority that he knew was his because he was a noble youth of Israel, a noble youth of Judah. So he knew that he was in the royal line. He knew that he had authority, especially when it came to having the ear of the Lord. And so Jeremiah 29, 7 says, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For its welfare will find your welfare. See, God doesn't say, pray on behalf of the city where I've placed you, or your welfare depends on the city of where I placed you. Pray for it. He said, pray for the city. Its welfare will become yours. He doesn't say it about you, he makes it about other people. Not about you. So think about it this way. Think about if India came and attacked Korea. And carried us off to Mumbai. We're going to Mumbai. And we are going to have some butter chicken. (laughs) Okay, you know what? You know what, Big Mama? You, You just... (laughs) Anyways, so it would be like that. It would be like us making a big fuss. Oh, God, what are you doing? We were supposed to save Korea. How dare you? Imagine saying to God, how dare you? But Daniel didn't do that. Instead, Daniel rose to the place of authority where he was at. He received the education from the Babylonians. And he was in a position of power. And he never, because he was a man of prayer first, and he let the identity be built in the secret place, he was not moved when trouble came his way. And laws were passed specifically against him. He was never moved. He was sent into the den of the lions, but because he was a man of prayer first, he was never shaken later, because he knew his rightful authority where God had placed him, and he knew God would deliver him out. And the last place that we are to take is the position of or of authority, of destiny destiny. Now for me, I, I know that God has great plans for me. I know I'm to be a preacher to the nations. I know I am called to see signs and miracles wherever I go. But I work as a teacher in a classroom in a small international school surrounded by rice fields. Now, tell me how great, mighty preacher to the nations, signs and miracles, rice fields are supposed to connect. It's been something that at times I've struggled with, whether or not I am in the place of destiny. But thankfully, Pastor Aaron has never been short on a rebuke. And what she said to me, I will probably never forget. She said, You keep thinking that your destiny is this place that is far off, this place that you're going to arrive to, this finish line that you're going to cross. Today is the day of your destiny. If you keep thinking that it is this finish line that you are going to cross one day, ta da, you are there. And then I'm going to have a nice shining medal, like, you know, like world preacher, or I don't know. She's like, if you think it's some finish line you're going to cross, you're never going to get there. You're going to be chasing after vapor. Today is the day of your destiny. When you take the place that God has put you, today is the day of your destiny. And if there's a man in the Bible like that, Joseph would be one. The man who was the favorite son of all of the twelve sons. Young, but put in charge. Sold into slavery. Made the head slave. Then he had some scandalous love, too. Well, he tried, not he tried, she tried, (laughs) but he, homie ran and he had no, like he lost his shirt too. (laughs) And then, yeah, that is pretty scandalous. Then he ends up in jail. And then he's waiting to be liberated when he provides the interpretation for a dream and it never comes. Until one day. And then what, is he do- what happens? God lifts him to the place of destiny to rule over all of Egypt, second in command to Pharaoh, the vision that God gave him in his youth. If he was chasing after it all along, he would never have gotten there. It was the character that was built along the way. The character that was built in the place of prayer. The character that was built in being true to where God had placed him at that moment. Now Isaiah 60 talks about arise and shine. Your light for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me. And that's about one man. And that man is Jesus. Now Jesus realized that it was not about him. He went to the cross because it was not about him. He took his place on the cross so that we might have forgiveness of our sins. That way way we would have reconciliation with the Father. Because before that, there was nothing but enmity. There was nothing but strife. And now where is Jesus? The scripture says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. If he was not in his place right now, making intercession intercession for us, prayers of supplication, prayers for you and me, what would, we, what would we be like? Jesus is in heaven praying for us. Are we taking the place that he's praying for? Are we achieving the things that he died for? You see, the people around us are craving for Jesus. The people around us are broken The people around us need restoration in their relationships. The people around us need agape love. Are they meeting that when they see us? Are we taking our place? Emmaus, let's pray.